Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. My name is Kimberly Cook, and I am the Assistant Director at the Hendricks Center, and I am not intimidated at all. <laughs> that means I completely am by being at the table <laughs> with every single other host for this podcast. This is a really weird feeling. <laughs> this has never happened before. I know. Yeah, and yeah. it's ever, yeah, it's, it's odd. Um, you all are so engaged as guests already because you're <laughs> hosts. So um, today, because of this unique setup, we are going to be taking a little bit of time to celebrate 10 years of the table podcast, which it hardly seems could be. It just seems like it went so fast. But um, yeah, we have been on air for 10 years. And we just want to recognize um, the work that the Lord has done through this ministry. And also just give you an opportunity to hear a little bit about what goes on behind the scenes here at the podcast and a little bit about the guests and lessons that we've learned along the way. The host, that is, not the guests. Um, but for the sake of maintaining formality, with us today are Daryl Bach, Executive Director for Cultural Engagement and Senior Research Professor of New Testament. And as I was writing that out, I realized I have never actually been the one to completely say the whole thing. So there you go. It you know, happens. A, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like a hazing ritual. <laughs> um, we also hear is Bill Hendricks, Executive Director for Christian Leadership and President of the Giftedness Center, as well as Mikel Del Rosario, who is our project manager for cultural engagement. So thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining us today. <laughs> Thanks for hosting us. Exactly right. Good to be here. Yeah, it's a long time no see. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so an introduction as far as like walking through, hey, how did you get involved? And all of that seems a little bit odd. Uh <laughs> especially for those of you who have listened for so long and are familiar at least with some of our voices and some of our stories. So I think rather than like walking through our biography, um, it might be helpful just to start out with the general question of how you ended up as a podcast host, because, you know, like you can be affiliated with the center and not necessarily end up at this table guiding the conversation. So I think that it's only right for us to start with you, Daryl, um, as the whole thing started with you. Mm -hmm. uh, so where did the idea of the podcast come from and how did it come about when DTS wasn't doing anything like it 10 years ago? Okay, well, this is a long story. And I know. I guess I the, set, short answer, the, short, the short <laughs> answer to your question is uh, I became a host because I had no choice. Um, that, in other words... Um, uh, once we decided we were going to do these podcasts on a regular basis out of the center, um, obviously the podcast had to have a host, and I was the natural one to be hosting. Mm. But before that, uh, before the beginning of the 10-year podcast, there was a long period in which we were uh, doing podcasts on kind of an ad hoc basis, Mark Bailey and myself. Um, the day the, the short story is the day the iPod came out, which now no longer exists. Yeah. Okay, all right. They just retired. That <laughs> just one, retired right? itself, which <laughs> I, I hope is not sending smoke signals. But anyway, uh, the day the uh, iPod came out, I was in Germany listening to this announcement, and I immediately sent an email to the sem to the seminary saying, "This is a great way to stay in touch with alum." 
comes and to keep them up to date and connect with them on a basis other than the normal way we tend to communicate with them. So what do you think about doing podcasts on a regular basis? Hmm. And so um, Mark Bailey and I said, um, yeah, this is a good idea. So whenever our schedules would coalesce and whenever the Richter scale hit the level of saying this is something we need to address, we would do a podcast. So that's part one of the story. Part two was um, – in 2010, Lausanne held a global conference in um, Cape Town, South Africa, and Dr. Bailey had gone to represent the seminary, and I was in a back room helping with all the coordination of all the external sites mm. from Cape Town to get information about what was going on there to these sites. And, uh, and we held an alumni meeting uh, with about, I guess, around 50 or so DTS alums from around the globe. And Mark asked them a question, how can we continue to serve you? And without any hesitation and almost with one voice, they said, keep those podcasts coming to us. You have no idea how helpful they are. Mm-hmm. Walked out of that meeting and said to Mark, you realize how ad hoc we do this and we only do this when necessary, et cetera. We really could be much more intentional about how we do this, put a strategy behind it, et cetera. And so we're sitting here now. Yeah. <laughs> Ten years later. <laughs> Ten years later, we're <laughs> sitting here now putting that putting that that intentional approach to podcasting um, in place. So tell us a little bit about the intention. What what was it that that was the intention? So you said, okay, so if we do that a little bit more intentionally, are you talking just time and, you know, like a regular release? No, or it, was really, the it was really thinking about part, part of what was going on is, is that our society was changing so rapidly. It was actually the basis for why I came in cultural engagement. The center – for the Hendricks Center as for Christian leadership has existed since the mid eighties. And what happened was is that we focused on the character of the leader and the and the and the mechanics of leading. Uh, and and that was really the focus. But what was happening is the world was changing so rapidly that a leader in order to lead had to have some sense of what was going on around him or her. And so we wanted to be able to um, to uh, address that. So the cultural engagement piece came in, and the podcasts were a way of recording and noting the different areas of reflection, updating, et cetera. And we cover a wide array of stuff, as as people are going to hear. Um, and we and we never do a series. We always do one piece that can stand on its own. Mm-hmm. But in the background is our archive, which we are building and have built. So that there are topics and series that come out of the way we we archive what we do, um, and so that that was the intention. The intention was to deal with the array of topics. You know, I, your little opening that which we have passed on, which you know, welcome to the table. We discuss issues of God and culture. Whenever I'm saying that in the back of my mind, I'm saying, well, it's just a short way to say we can discuss anything and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, and and so in that way, we're actually engage with the array of things that um, that the church faces today in trying to minister to people and disciple to people and trying to carry out the mission that Christ has given the church to perform. And I feel like over the course of the 10 years, it has become it, even a little bit the theory behind the podcast has become even more than just the content itself, which is helpful for our alums and our network and all of that and anybody who <laughs> hopefully stumbles across it. But um, there's also an element of modeling going on, correct? Yeah, and we're very, very, very committed to the idea that the way in which public discourse has happened in that 10-year period has broken down significantly. 
and that the way of being Christian and modeling the uniqueness of what is Christianity requires a certain kind of modeling. So, so for us, the expression is tone matters. Mm -hmm. And so we are very focused on not only what we have to say and what we believe about it, but how we talk about it and present it, particularly how we present it and interact with people with whom we disagree. And so this this modeling that we're talking about, when it's, we've used the phrase convicted civility, which which doesn't mean that we're civilians who've been convicted, but it means it means we have convictions and are civil about it. That's right. Uh, uh, so that's how we go about talking about what's going on. We want to we want to stand up for what we believe in on the one hand, have convictions, but we want to do it civilly. We want to respect the person we're interacting with as we engage them and in some cases challenge them to think differently, think about categories they may not have that they may need in order to understand what it is that Christians believe. And that might be something interesting for those of you who are listening or watching in that w the way we go as hosts, the way that we formulate how we're going to go about one of our podcasts part of what go, comes into our mind isn't just, oh, well, let's explore this area, but it's, okay, how do we think through this well? And like, like Daryl is saying, with civility, and how do we introduce a topic that might be something that some people instantly kick back against? And how do we model what it is to walk through the issue, walk through the theological reflection on it, and come to a conclusion that might be similar to a conclusion that other people come to, but it's done in a completely different way, and that's what we're attempting to do. So, for example, if I can just note one topic that we did cover in multiple uh, issues was the issue of world religions, and particularly mm -hmm. we were looking at Eastern religion. Eastern people think differently than Western people do, et cetera. In the normal way Christians do world religion is they take the religion and what it believes, they put it against the Bible, and they say, how does it not align? Okay, that's actually an important thing to do and be aware of, and and you can find that in many locations. We did a different take. We said, "What is it that this religion believes?" Mm -hmm. Okay, what what makes this religion tick? Second thing is, what is the Velcro factor in this religion? What is it that makes this religion attractive to someone? Something more than I was born in this part of the world, but why am I attracted to this particular? Mm -hmm. And the third one is, how does the gospel speak into that Velcro factor? So what we're doing is we're not starting with the information that we have and giving it over to someone else. We're actually trying to understand the person who's sitting across mm -hmm. from us, make an effort to do that, and then be responsive to what it is that they raise. Uh, and so it's just a different kind of directional as well as a tonal piece that really is reflective of the way we go about almost all the topics that we, we pursue. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. If you're listening, that's the first, like – you know, well, a key part man of, behind the <laughs> man behind the curtain. <laughs> a, key, a key part of that strategy, of course, is in selecting guests. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people we could have on, and I'm sure get a, a big crowd, but we don't have them on precisely because that tone piece would not be there. Yeah, we we want people who can discuss civilly uh, and mm -hmm. with a winsome tone, um, even if we disagree. We want people who who represent and manifest a Christ-like spirit. That I disagree with you, but I'm I'm not going to treat you like the enemy, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try to destroy you. Yeah. Or if we're talking with someone about whom about whom there is a, we may be talking to a Christian about what others believe, right? But it's all done in such a way that that it's clear 
um, not only what you are addressing, but doing so in such a way that you're staying on the issues, you're not getting personal. There are lots of things that you can do that mm-hmm. sabotage conversations mm-hmm. uh, and to do so in a helpful kind of way. Mm-hmm. Well, this is clearly something that we're all passionate about, but um, in the interest of moving along, <laughs> 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 I'm going to go ahead and um, toss it over to both Mikkel and Bill. Uh, if you guys want to just chime in as to how did you end up? So we know how Daryl became a podcast host, but how did you guys end up? Mikkel, let's start with you. How did you end up behind the table? Sure. Well, I was Daryl's first intern at the Hendricks Center when he came over as the executive director of cultural engagement. And uh, I actually started working on the show right away. Um, just within a couple months that we started recording the show, I was there helping with time coding and transcripts and the things that uh, kind of supervise our interns, um, mm-hmm. what they do right now. But nobody sees. Yes, there's a lot lot that goes into podcasting besides Mm -hmm. just us, you know, talking here and then and then walking away. There's so much that uh, so many people, everything we do, I say we do as a team. Mm -hmm. And um, that's not just at the Hendricks Center. That's all of Dallas Seminary Mm -hmm. that's involved in um, what we do here. But I started uh, hosting because there were some episodes we wanted to do on Jesus topics. Mm -hmm. And we have an expert with us on Jesus topics. And so uh, I think Daryl's first time in the, as a guest in the guest seat mm-hmm. was my first time hosting. hosting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was when um, Justin Bass had just debated Bart Ehrman mm-hmm. on the question, did Jesus claim to be divine? And so we did a discussion on that as my very first episode. And I'm super interested in that topic, even to today, so that I even <laughs> did my, my PhD uh, doctoral work, my dissertation on uh, looking at a historical approach to Jesus' claim to possess Mm. divine authority. So I I feel like my time at Dallas Seminary from THM, when I first met Daryl, straight through PhD, uh, and even my work on the table is all kind of uh, just come together so well. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. I didn't know that. Mm. Bill, how did you end up here? Well, I actually started as a guest, and that story (laughs) is in in spring of 2014, I, I came out with a book on giftedness, the person called you. And you know, when you write a book, you've got to get as many big names as you can to endorse it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, hey, Daryl Box, a big name down at Dallas Seminary, maybe he'll give me an endorsement. So I sent him a copy of the book, and just like that, sure back comes an endorsement. <laughs> and then next thing I know, I get invited to do a, a, a podcast on, on giftedness. And uh, it was right around that same time, Daryl and I had lunch, and he asked me, would you – well, no, we had lunch, and then like shortly after, my predecessor, Andy Seidel, and his wife, Gail, had lent me over for dinner. And in the middle of dinner, he goes, Bill, can I ask and you to pray about pitch. something? <laughs> what are you going to say? You know, No, I'm not going to pray. <laughs> I said, okay. He said, would you pray about um, coming and working at the Center for Christian Leadership hmm. and replace me as the Executive Director for Christian Leadership? And so I spent a whole summer praying, thinking that through. At the end, I concluded, I don't know that that's really what God has for me. So I told Dr. Bailey, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> that doesn't stop us. I know. I remember, I remember, I remember the, the staff conversations going on at that time <laughs> where we were like, no, yeah. he'll come. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in retrospect, I, I realized that the no, that's when things actually started running, you know, that that's when the, the, the sale begins. Yeah. <laughs> so about a month later, uh, they came back and said, would you be the acting director? And that was a little more in line with what I'd been doing. Plus, after all, it was my dad's legacy. So mm. 
So anyway, I, I think I came in uh, like late 2014, somewhere in there, early 2015. And, uh, you know, for the first couple of years, uh, I don't think I was on the, the podcast, but uh, once I realized, no, this is going to be a more permanent thing, um, there was a desire to get more hosts. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. if for no other reason, what happens if something happens to Daryl, yeah. right? <laughs> um, and so uh, because I was the executive director for Christian leadership, mm -hmm. uh, could bring uh, issues of leadership to the table, which then gets into the integration of faith and work, and a subspecialization within that is career and calling, mm -hmm. which is kind of my specialization. So um, one day I got asked to host a podcast. Host it, yeah. So I guess I did well enough they had me back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kim, now you've got to tell yeah. your story. So <clears throat> I we had been talking about the need for a diversity of voices and hoping to bring in a female voice as um, – just one of the podcast hosts and so we had been in the staff meetings we had been throwing around names and that kind of thing and then it kind of occurred to me that I had theological training <laughs> <laughs> that I would like to talk about some topics and I would like a, a say in some of the topics that are said and so at one point I I went to Daryl and I was like would you ever would you ever think about me doing something? And then the next thing I knew, I was co-hosting and I was sitting behind the table. <laughs> so Daryl empowering people as usual is how I ended up behind here. So um, how do you guys, I know how, I know how I prepare for podcasts and how I prepare for hosting, but how do you guys prepare um, let's start with Daryl because his will be short. Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> so you want me to say Prepared? I don't? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Daryl likes like. I like the spontaneity. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, we call it the table. Well, let me let me deal with the philosophy behind this. We <laughs> we, we we we, uh, we call it the table because the idea is you're overhearing a conversation that's worth listening to. Well, a scripted conversation is not a normal conversation. So we like to have – I have a general idea about where the topic is going. I have a re, the rationale for why I've invited the speaker to talk about that topic because of their expertise. But I say to them as well, and this makes some of them nervous. Oh, yeah. I just – because we get the email saying, are you going to give us some hint about where we're going? We're just no. going to talk about the topic. <laughs> and Because we want, that, we want that interpersonal feel. That's actually part of what we are modeling. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I prepare by having some sense about what the topic is that kind of thing. If there's a book involved, obviously I'll have read it. But um, but basically, I tell them we aren't going to prepare ahead of time. There's not going to be a script. They have some idea usually of the two or three main topics that I want to pursue, and that's it. So that's the preparation, and then I leave all the cleanup to Mikel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how do you? Well, I, I I agree with what Daryl's saying. The counterbalance to it is it's it's a little bit like. Uh, you know, so if somebody said, "Bill, how long did it take you to write that book?" I'd say, "Oh, about sixty some years." You know, because mm -hmm. I mean, so much of it is a life message thing. And you, you, at least for me, I think back throughout my life, where have I encountered this issue? And the way theology works for me is it's highly experiential. In other words, it's highly biblical. But but my point is, I encounter a situation and I sort of think, well, what? What do I know about the Bible that speaks into that? And then see how the experience with that interplays with the theological truth. 
and I file it away, and then we come to a podcast, and I go, oh, yeah, I remember countering it here and here and here. And so that's what I draw upon often mm-hmm. to ask questions. Interesting. I didn't hmm. know that about how you prep. <laughs> Mikel and I tend to be a little bit more <laughs> by the book. Intentional. By the book. <laughs> and maybe it's just because we don't have as much life experience. Well, that could be. But yeah. and Mikel, how do you prep? Yeah, well, besides reading the person's book, yes. which is always good to do always if you're going to yeah. have an author on the show uh, to read their book, um, I also go on YouTube and I try to find. Uh, other interviews that they've done. Mm. Um, perhaps there's a really good story that, that came out of another mm. um, show, but I want to know more about that. And I know the listeners probably want to know more about that. Then I'll, I'll pursue that. Um, I'll also try to think about what does somebody need to know just to get oriented in this mm-hmm. topic. And so I'm always thinking about the audience and what do they need to know. And that helps me generate um, questions which are going to drive us to a certain place at the end where there's one big idea that someone can take away from mm-hmm. it that will help them as they encounter uh, skeptics, uh, their, their friends who don't believe the same way, and be able to answer those hard questions that people have about the faith. So I'm always thinking about the audience and, and what are those tough questions that people are wrestling with and how can I help them answer those. Hmm, interesting. So what is the toughest topic that you have tackled Hmm. so you're talking about tough questions Mm -hmm. like what is the toughest podcast not podcast guest we're not gonna do that but the toughest you know like yeah just the toughest podcast that looking back it kind of sticks out in your mind as like whew that one was rough, you know, or, you know, like I wasn't sure how it was going to come out or, you know, what what did it look like for you, Bill? <laughs> well, I'm afraid I'm going to give away the, the, the guest. But, uh, Be subtle. <laughs> I was asked to host a podcast on, I think it was on beauty. Yeah. I, I know that was the announced topic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a very brilliant guest that – you know, I did not have background in the guest field, so I was challenged to, you know, come up with questions that were meaningful because I, I felt like a child asking, <laughs> you know, some some Einstein, you know, to explain relative, you know, relativity or something. Um, but somehow we got through it, and I got actually compliments on the interview from people and um it was beautiful it was beautiful so i I, let's just say i was definitely stretched as a host yeah mine was um i mean you can go find it if you're listening but the uh what happened to the trinity on the cross Mm -hmm. podcast it was just such oh because you're dealing with the trinity and you're dealing with the atonement and and like the it's just it was so technically difficult that like it was hard to ask questions because nobody really knows the answer to that question anyway and so then it was hard to ask questions and like and explore it without saying something heretical. <laughs> and I was sitting there with two of my theology professors, and I was like, I'm trying. I'm trying to do this. It's one of and our yet, top shows. Yeah, I know, I know. It's, uh, yeah. So it's great. It's had yeah. really good feedback. But yeah. for me, it was one of the hardest podcasts that I've done. I think it was also the first one I did during COVID. Mm-hmm. And so it was the first one I did via Zoom and all of that, too. So there was, like, all of this swirling. We're, and then just... me feeling like, I, you know, in the middle of a hurricane, I have to, like, thread a needle. <laughs> like, theologically. So... Daryl, what about you? 
Well, I uh, I think that the topics that are the hardest are the ones that are hardest for the church. Um, so whether we're talking about race or gender issues, which we've done myriads of podcasts on, they're always challenging um, because you're trying to balance a lot of different things. You're trying to balance where your convictions are. You're trying to balance where um, – uh, where people are coming from, the disagreement that they have by default on the topics, et cetera. And so actually trying to produce something that, is, that works is, um, it, it is tricky from a, from a host, sta- host standpoint and getting people oriented. There really are two kinds of interviewers, interviewees, uh, <laughs> what, I call, what I call the soundbite people who can boil it down and say it and get it said. And then what I call the footnote people, which means you ask a question, they give you all the background before mm-hmm. they finally get to the answer. Obviously, podcasting is really uh, friendly to the soundbite person, but sometimes the detail of the topics and complexity of topics requires someone be a footnote person in order to mm-hmm. really help you unfurl what's going on. And so that can become a challenge mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, as a host in terms of how you deal with that. So I'm, I don't have one because, because we, have, we have explored that topic, both of those topics, for a variety of areas because our tendency is, is to dive into a topic and then we take five minutes out of the one that we've done and say, ooh, you know what, that needs, that needs more, and then redo it with a focus on that particular point. That's how we build the archive. And uh, so, yeah, so that's well, my And we do tend to give you the more difficult ones. <laughs> we're like, and Daryl's going to do this right. one. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Miguel? Well, for me, I think it would be a tie. One, just kind of like Daryl was talking about, some topics where um, I feel I'm very much of a learner still is the race conversation in America, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. as many people know, I did not grow up in the United States. And so I say I play American really well, but (laughs) um, I I moved to uh, California as an adult to attend college, Um, but I I grew up in the Philippines. So the the American um, race conversation is something that I'm very much of a learner still, and I approach that as a learner. And so I did a show on race, but what I did with it was I called it Diverse Views on on Multicultural Conversations. I called it diverse views on multicultural conversations. And what we did was we had people around the table and we got to approach this conversation from an Asian American mm-hmm. perspective, from an African American mm-hmm. perspective, from a Hispanic Mexican American uh, experience. And then incidentally, we found out everyone around the table were either interracially or interculturally married. Wow. So that was pretty cool. That is, mm-hmm. um, but that's a great one where I have questions I'm always thinking about what's the audience's question. Well, in this case, I kind of am part of that audience, too. Um, Especially coming from the Asian-American side, are we just supposed to sit and watch our black and white brothers and sisters talk about this? Are are we a part of this? You know, that that comment about sometimes I feel like a ghost Ghost, in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was challenging. But I got a really good um, amount of positive feedback on mm-hmm. that show. The other one that was a tie was, I'll, I'll say it, Mark Belton. He mm-hmm. uh, was a speaker yes, at Leaderboard. And I was faith asked, and work, right? I was asked the day before yeah. because either, <laughs> I think everyone was Which out. enhanced your preparation. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know how I say I, I listen to their other interviews, yeah. all this. I did all that in a span of a morning by attending Leaderboard, listening to him talk, generating my own questions, thinking about what would the audience want to know? How can this mm-hmm. help people? And we had a great conversation. It was a good show. Yeah. Yeah, but, but you just <laughs> I think sometimes they do end up being your best ones because mm-hmm. you you're just a little bit more intentional about it. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's interesting. Okay, so Mikhail, let's stay on you real quick. 
because you are the like guru person actually behind truly behind the scenes of the podcast what are some of the most downloaded podcasts like what are some of the most popular podcasts so a lot of theology shows we mentioned the trinity on the cross mm-hmm. show um, and i can give us say the shows that have had about 3,000 plus downloads since the pandemic uh, my interview with mary joe sharp on um, deconstruction mm-hmm. that was a big one um the World of the Bible with Michael Bird mm-hmm. was another 3,000 plus download. Um, my interview with Costi Hinn on how mm-hmm. he yeah, that left one was huge. Mm-hmm. he left uh, his uncle Benny Hinn's uh, what he called a cross between the royal family and the mafia. That, <laughs> that whole lifestyle of, of riches and uh, the whole prosperity gospel movement. How he left that um, and reading a Chuck Swindoll book was part of his story. So what a great mm-hmm. what a great guest to have on the Dallas Seminary yeah. Table podcast here. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. So what was um, what was a podcast that you all walked into and, you know, it was fine and you were interested and you were ready to have the conversation, but you ended up more impacted than you than you maybe thought you would headed in. Like, you know, that there was something that happened in it that you that really like dug in and like personally meant something to you Hmm. so i'll start because that's kind of a like mem like memory question to give you guys time (laughs) i'll start um mine was a podcast that i did on haiti so we Hmm. were talking about different countries we have have a series essentially that where we're going all throughout the world talking to christians who are actually in country about what's going on with the church and what they're facing and what they can contribute to the global church and what we should be learning from them. And so mine was on, I, I did this one on Haiti and it was, I don't know why, but it was just so impactful. I didn't really under, I didn't really know a lot of the history as to Haiti's poverty. And so I was struck by that. And then I was struck by just the way that they have thought the leaders there have had to think so deeply about um, meeting spiritual and physical needs hmm. and and how and, and I just think that that's I think that's something that they have a lot of wisdom to contribute to us. And that's I mean, in their humble way, that wasn't even the thing that they said they felt like they could contribute. But it was something that I was thinking, like, you really because they've had to face it mm-hmm. in a very tangible way where they, you know, they say like we can't, we cannot feed everybody. Like mm-hmm. we can't help everything. And so so for me, I walked away from that just with this whole new appreciation for the country and for those leaders and just kind of that general area. Who wants to hop in with a story? I got two. One is the one we did on artificial intelligence with Fred Rania, and just all the things that are coming down the pike that mm. in most cases most people haven't even thought of or dreamed of. So I entitled that the podcast about uh, here's the rest of the story and some of it you haven't even thought about. And then the second one is the one on blended families with Ron Deal hmm. and uh, the how pervasive blended families are, how we don't have structures of ministry that really deal with the dynamics of what happens in a blended family. 
um, where where the where the mother figure or the father figure isn't the biological mother or father, that kind of thing, um, the mixture between the kids that that ends up producing if you're bringing in kids from two different families into a new family. That's why it's called blended. Mm-hmm. And all the issues that that raises and uh, his observation to me that fully one-third of an audience in any church is probably made up of some kind of a blended family, which mm-hmm. just blew me away as a statistic. And and the implications of that for the church and for ministry and for training, like, I mean, because we're all here at DTS and for training people headed into ministry and we don't really talk about it. Exactly right. Exactly and right. So it's a it's a major thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Interesting. Miguel, Bill, do you have one? I interviewed uh, a gentleman named Tom Terrence who grew up mm-hmm. in the Deep South. Mm-hmm. And as a teen, he began to get exposed to ultra – right-wing, basically racist uh, ideology, and basically got recruited uh, by the Ku Klux Klan to be a a terrorist. And so they put him and and another operative in a car on their way to – I think they were going to plant a bomb or something. And somebody higher up in the Klan organization, I think, had a beef with him or was jealous or something, basically tipped off the police. So just as they're getting ready to – plant this bomb, the police, you know, surround their car, they take off, there's a chase uh, in which the person he was with got killed, and uh, he somehow escaped his life barely. Promptly was uh, convicted and put in prison in, in uh, I believe it was Alabama, and or Mississippi, a federal prison, and he's in solitary confinement. And he's still very convinced of, you know, his his convictions. And you you think about somebody like that, how in the world would the gospel ever possibly be able to reach him? And I remember in the middle of the interview just thinking of the dire, desperate isolation that he's in. And and like, how did you get here? Mm-hmm. And you realize the grace of God was able to penetrate even solitary confinement. In his case, he had a lot of time on his hands. They had a, a prison library that he could check out books, and he began to read, and it led him to the philosophers, to Plato and, and others, uh, and then ultimately began to read the New Testament. And when he, when he got to Jesus and he's reading that story, the Spirit just said, you need to pay attention to this. And it ultimately led to his... Uh, salvation, and then through an amazing set of circumstances, uh, you know, God just worked various people to come in, and, and ultimately uh, he was not pardoned, but I guess the sentence would be commuted or something, and he gets out. And today he goes around the country appealing to, uh, you know, again, extremists that they need to change their ways. They need to, they need to come and see Jesus' mm-hmm. forgiveness and lordship. But but the ability of God to to work in where humanly speaking there is no hope, there's no hope, and yet God finds a way. It's just an amazing story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me it was actually I think the most standout episode was not one that I hosted, but I was here behind the glass with the studio staff, and it was a show called Freedom from Pornography, mm-hmm. and we had Josh McDowell on the show. He was in by Zoom, yeah. and one few people know that Josh McDowell has this whole 
a history where he was abused as a child and mm. and how um, he is really passionate about showing uh, the effect of pornography on truth. Mm. And he said, and I, I really, um, I love this because it was so impactful. I actually pulled this clip to share on my Instagram that he said that as an apologist, he says, I'm not fulfilling God's calling on my life if I don't show how pornography is affecting truth because I believe that one of the greatest barriers to people, to kids coming to Christ today is pornography. Hmm. And then he shared the statistic that, that just blew us all away. He said that he spoke at an event and crew did a survey of 485 students who came to Christ after his talk. And the question was, what is the number one barrier that prevents you um, or that's in the way of you becoming a serious disciple of Jesus? And he said, you'll never believe it, all 485 students said pornography. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. It was a powerful moment, and we had other mm. guests on the show. One of them cried on the show, yeah. mm. and from behind that glass, I could feel the uh, the emotion in the room. And mm. I thought, I thought this is a good episode. Mm. Wow! Yeah, you hosted yeah. that, Daryl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening, that's a list of what we feel are some of our better ones, or at least the most impactful ones. Maybe they'll be helpful and impactful for you. There's so many. Okay, so one last um, question to a degree uh, that we'll chat about in just thinking about the podcast. Well, yeah, just thinking about the podcast in general. What would be your hope for the podcast in, for the next five to ten years? I think we're still trying to figure out how to utilize the uh, resource that it represents. Um, I'm teaching class currently, and we are utilizing the podcasts in the classroom in a way that I haven't tried to do before. And it really has become a classroom catalyst for some pretty good conversation because you've got a good, meaningful conversation sitting in front of you. You've got an exchange of views and trying to, in some cases, create understanding. And that triggers questions for students and, and moves the questions along. So one of my hopes would be is that we could uh, figure out a way to make the podcast usable, not just as something to listen to as you're commuting from point A to point B, but in either context of Sunday school classes or in your own personal reflection, et cetera, using it as a means for really doing some serious reflection and teaching. Part of the reason we do it the way that we do it is to generate that reflection, mm -hmm. uh, to not just instruct and, you know, and I, this is more than just the facts, ma'am. This is, this is um, not just what is being said, but how it's being said and how it's being engaged. And so our hope would be to create some reflection for that. Miguel, what would you say? Yeah, I think I would say that for uh, those who are engaging in, in these difficult spaces, that they would adopt more and more of the ethos that we're trying to share on the show by the guests that we bring, um, not only the expertise from our professors here and the expertise of our guests, but really the way in which we go about having those conversations, that that would be something that the church and um, Christian higher education, even Christian high schools, um, would be able to take some of our episodes and incorporate that into um, – um, classes into different um, training sessions that, that people do, um, not only in apologetics, but in all across all these difficult conversations that we're having. Bill? Well, they stole the two good answers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would say, I would hope that the podcast um, encourages people to what I call do theology. Mm -hmm. Theology is not just about stuff that happened you know, 2,000 years ago. It is about that. But theology is actually happening in real time as we as believers encounter 
in many cases, somewhat unprecedented uh, realities that come our way that nobody had to grapple with before. Mm-hmm. But as the slogan says, we, is- we discuss issues of God and, and culture, which is just about everything. And I think, you know, Dallas Seminary has a tremendous heritage in helping people go from the Bible to life. In other words, observation, interpretation, application. Here's what the text says, here's what it means, and here's how it applies to life. Wonderful. But most people, the way they live their lives, they encounter life first, and they need to take the opposite move going from life back to the Bible. And on, on the podcast, I think we try to model that. Mm-hmm. Let's just pick an issue, and there's so many, you know, <laughs> the culture is the gift that keeps on giving, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so many issues. And ask, okay, from, from the revelation that God has given us and the history of, of theology that we have, how do we speak meaningfully to that issue? And, and you know, what does God have to say about that? Mm-hmm. And everyday Christians can do that. This isn't something for ivory tower people. Mm-hmm. And so the hope would be that this podcast and modeling it would help people learn how to do that yes. in their own lives as yes. they're encountering a variety of different topics, not just the ones that we're covering. So um, one kind of concluding segment, I guess, of this podcast, Mikkel, you have had a few interesting months in your <laughs> professional career. Would you care to update our listeners? Sure. Yeah. For those of you who are listening, in January of 2022, I earned my PhD Woo-hoo. from Dallas Seminary. <laughs> it's been a long 10 year. I call it my decade in Dallas from <laughs> the time I first met Daryl, um, summer 2012, mm-hmm. all the way until now. Uh, mm-hmm. did the THM straight through PhD. And also, I got to start as an adjunct here at Dallas Seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Lord has always uh, given me a burden for college students. And one of the big reasons I came to Dallas Seminary was because I wanted to be a full-time college professor. And the Lord has opened the doors for me to be a college professor at mm-hmm. Moody Bible Institute. And so as we're recording this, I'm physically present here in the studio. But yeah. when this is released, I will be... Uh, an associate professor of Bible and theology at Moody. And so I'm moving to Chicago very shortly. Yes, and we're so excited for you. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And um, so you you will be, I believe this is your last show, right? This is your last episode. So if people want to continue to hear from you and hear apologetics and um, everything that you contribute to theological conversations in general, where can they follow you? Where can they keep up with you? Yeah, they can go to my website at apologeticsguy.com and then also check out my YouTube channel at apologeticsguy. Also, all throughout my social channels, you can friend me um, on Facebook at apologeticsguy, at me on Twitter at apologeticsguy, and follow (laughs) me on Instagram at apologeticsguy. And Mikkel will answer answer. He is all over (laughs) social media (laughs) in a really great way, in a really effective way. So um, in the last couple minutes that we have, Bill and Daryl, I thought I would ask you all, what do you feel um, a little bit in tribute to Mikkel? What do you feel like Mikkel has brought to the podcast and that you're specifically thankful for, like as the directors of the center? Well, he's been the podcast guy. I mean, yeah. like all things podcasts, I go talk to Mikkel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you have you have worked hard to develop that expertise, and not just in theory, but you're a practitioner. And you know, I'm I'm a boomer. You know, <laughs> podcasting is a little bit, you know, technologically speaking, uh, after my time in a way. But you've obviously brought that expertise to us, and 
you know, the rest, as they say, is history. And I just don't think the podcast would be what it is today. I know it wouldn't be what yeah, it is today be. without you behind the scenes doing all these things that uh, make it what it is and get it to who needs to get it. So if you develop a second ministry, we'll call it Podcast Guy. <laughs> and, um, uh, and yeah, what, what, the other thing that Mikel has brought is that when we were going through, and we've had several discussions in this regard with regard to race, um, well, we alluded to this earlier when he talked about the ghost imagery. We were in the midst of having a discussion. We had spent a lot of time on the black-white issue and that kind of thing, particularly in the United States. And Mikel raises his hand and gets our attention and says, I feel like a ghost in the room. I, I feel like I'm a minority, but, but I'm not in this conversation. And, um, and immediately as he said it, I knew he was right. And uh, so it's, it's helped us in thinking through uh, the race conversation to recognize that when we discuss race and minority and uh, minority issues that, uh, first of all, minorities come in all shapes and sizes depending on where you are in the world, which is important for the church to realize because the church mm -hmm. is a global church. And the second thing is when you talk about a race and minority, it isn't just a one-on-one -on -one discussion. It's one in many. And, uh, and oftentimes we don't think of it that way. So, so that's a gift that um, you've left uh, to us. A guy will never see ghosts the same way. <laughs> when I call Ghostbusters, I'll probably be thinking of you. And, uh, uh, and, and so uh, that, that's important. And then, of course, there's all the technical expertise. Uh, Mikkel was the voice behind the organization of all the articles that went to BibSAC on a quarterly basis, mm -hmm. summarizing what was going on with the podcast. Etc. and uh, highlighting various topics and, and, and themes and that kind of thing and weaving together all this material that we have. Uh, in fact, I actually – we've talked about it being 10 years, but I, I don't actually know how, how many shows – it's a bad question to ask you off the top of your head – how many shows and how much hours of material do we have after 10 years? Do you know the answer to those well, questions? Well, today, as yeah. of this time that we're recording at the risk of not being evergreen, <laughs> <laughs> episode 499 just went live. Okay. And so we're over 350 hours of content, of yeah. original content. I mean, it's amazing if you think about that. And, and you've been in the mix from the very beginning um, to that. So that's a tribute to your uh, to your persistence and your industry and your commitment. So we're very, very appreciative of what that represents. We're going to um, miss you mm -hmm. significantly. We will stay in touch. I do manage to get to Chicago every now and then. <laughs> and, uh, um, and we uh, really do appreciate what you've meant to the center. Yes. Thanks, Thank Darryl. you so much for your ministry, Mikkel. Thanks, Kevin. Mm -hmm. Ben, I, again, like, like Bill said, like, the podcast wouldn't be what it is today without you. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully the people who are listening and who stuck with us through this whole podcast, <laughs> because we know some people don't. <laughs> I will say that I think God really has done something very, very special with this show, because mm -hmm. this is a very unique show. Mm -hmm. In one way it's very unique is that we have four hosts who are usually not at the same table at the same time. Mm -hmm. And and it hasn't hurt us. And in fact, I think it's drawn a variety of of uh, kinds of people who connect with us, who mm -hmm. connect with the topics we discuss, and who connect who connect with our personalities. Mm -hmm. And just on audio downloads, we're we're getting close to almost a million uh, downloads at this point. And mm -hmm. ten years, um, not a lot of podcasts can say that. And so that's that's really a testimony to what God has been doing yeah. through this show. Awesome. Well, our time is more than up, so we'll need to sign off. But um, thank you, Bill, Mikkel, and Daryl. 
Daryl, Nikhil, Bill, um, for your time and for this walk down memory lane. And thank you, Mikkel, especially for your ministry here. It, you will be missed greatly. You're welcome. Thanks so much. Yeah. And thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and come back next time when we discuss issues of God and culture. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth, love well.